0: This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool Cool Cullen, dear draw the sorrows drawn your wail From giants right down to fairies, of the drooping and solitary. And also are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside, kings and queens, fat and heroes, don't you run from the fun? there's no need to hide, sit by the fireside. Mm -hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish Storytelling Podcast. Each episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan, I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 229. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have another tale of the shape-shifting mythical creature from Irish folklore. This is the tale of the Pookas Tower. But first, a very big welcome to any new and indeed returning listeners. If this is your very first time checking out the podcast, this is a very good introductory episode, a very typical what we do on Fireside kind of material. Um, And if you enjoy it, why don't you stick around or head back all through the ranks, back to episode one and to see what we've been building to in the last five years of this podcast. And if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support. All of the usual ways you can support this podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at FiresideBard. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. If any questions, queries, to say hello. You can share this on your stories. You can tell your friends. It's still the best way to uh, spread the podcast. And I love hearing from each and every one of you. Uh, You can buy my book, Garden Sea and Neo Myth of Home, which is available in paperback. Uh, which can be shipped anywhere around the world from the headstuff website or in Kindle version instantly on Amazon all the links are in the description below thank you again to all those who have and continue to buy garden Sea as it approaches its second birthday uh, coming up in december and the final way is of course you can you can buy you can support Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com wherever as little as €5 Euro a month, although you can pay more if you want. You can gain access to bonus material not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Links in the description sells out of the way. Uh, so, for anyone who listened to the last story, and um, the tale of the Kildare Puka, which I actually only recorded last night at the time of recording this, uh, there was a, a rather abrupt ending to it, uh, because uh, the power went out in my home. Um, There was a very, very bad storm in Ireland yesterday, and particularly in the countryside of Wicklow, where I was recording. And uh, yeah, luckily, I record with a battery-operated Zoom recorder um, from my laptop, which uh, had battery in it, so I was able to finish recording the episode, but it gave a very auspicious and eerie and spooky ending to a tale about a mysterious character going bump in the night. But it was fine. Uh, I had to head off out to work. I head up to Dublin to do a gig in Temple Bar very soon after that, uh, but I believe the power came back very soon, just in case anyone was worried (laughs) or or wondering what had happened then as I finished recording the episode in the total darkness. But as for this tale, we have another story of the puka, one of my very favourites, one of my favourite creatures from Irish folklore. As I was saying last time, I love shapeshifters in any mythology, anything duplicitous and devious and morally and ethically questionable as a character. I love when characters are capable of benevolence and malevolence and you can't quite trust, as a lot of characters in Irish folklore certainly do and in many other cultures. But this is another tale, like so many of Irish folklore, of temperance and of adventure. And we will, of course, talk more about it afterwards, but we'll get down to brass tacks now. This is the tale of the Pooka's Tower on Fireside. The Pooka's Tower Daniel O'Rourke was drinking his little Irish head off at a party outside of Bantry, County Cork. He was pulling pints and swamp and stout. Hold his liquor well he could, but this was a night of particular merriment. The feast of Samhain was approaching, the harvest was at an end, and the winter about to begin, and Daniel O'Rourke found himself scuppered. Staggering and spilling his precious drink, Daniel O'Rourke decided to go home. Suddenly, he found himself in the fields. He didn't remember actually leaving the party. Just as well I did, he thought. I can't be having blackouts. Sobering slightly, Daniel came to a stone bridge over a river. The walls were low and a dizzy spell returned, and Daniel O'Rourke stumbled. "'tripped over the wall "'and went headfirst into the river. "'The cold shortened his breath, "'but Daniel was a strong swimmer "'and paddled for dear life "'until he came to a small island. "'He walked around the unfamiliar terrain, "'attempting to get his bearings "'and find his way home. "'He looked up at the moon, "'high and bright in the sky.' Distracted by its beauty, Daniel O'Rourke failed to notice that he had begun to sink. Ah! he cried. I've wandered into a bog! Sure enough, Daniel had stumbled into the soggy, marshy ground of an Irish bog. He looked around him, but all he could see in any direction was bog, bog, bog. He found no tree in the hole in the hole in the bog, but he did see a stone and grabbed it for dear life. Daniel O'Rourke thought his time had come. He was doomed to slowly and drunkenly sink into the bog to soggy oblivion. He once again gazed up at the moon, but the sky was now dark. The moon had been eclipsed by a shape, a shape that was moving towards him. Daniel hardly had time to let out a shortened shout when a great eagle landed on the stone. The proud and glorious bird looked at Daniel with its piercing golden eyes once again lit up under the moonlight. Hey, you are you all right there, Daniel O'Rourke? Daniel didn't know if it was more surprising that the eagle could talk or that the eagle knew his name. But he had more important concerns at the time. Not at all. I'm slowly drowning. Well, Daniel, said the eagle, you drink too much, but you are a decent fellow. You've never thrown rocks at me or attempted to hunt me. So I will save you. Climb onto my back and I will take you home. I surely cannot ride on the back of an eagle, said Daniel. Well, what choice do you have? Your weight is even sinking this stone. So you do not have long. Climb onto my back or drown. It's your choice. With really no choice at all, Daniel grabbed the eagle by his two wings and pulled himself out of the mucky bog. His grip secure, the eagle took off high into the sky. It was not long before they were over Daniel's cottage. "'You can just drop me off here, sir,' Daniel said to the eagle. "'Do you think me a fool, Daniel O'Rourke?' asked the eagle. "'There are hunters in the next field, and I do not wish to be shot.' So the eagle climbed higher and higher into the sky. So where are you taking me? Daniel asked. Hush, Daniel, and don't distract me when I'm trying to fly. Daniel grew more and more concerned the farther away the ground was. Soon he could not look down anymore. So Daniel O'Rourke looked up, and to his shock the eagle had taken Daniel to the moon. You can't see it anymore, but in those days, the moon had a reaper's hook dug into its side. When they reached the celestial rock, the eagle said, Right, Daniel, off you go. This is where I leave you. I can't just sit on the moon, cried Daniel, a sentence he never thought he would say. Well, it's either sit on the moon or I drop you and watch you smash on the ground like I do the bones of a vole. Terrified, Daniel O'Rourke grabbed onto the reaper's hook and sat on the cold surface of the moon. No, Daniel, said the eagle laughing. (laughs) You can stay there now. You blackguard, said Daniel. You said you would take me home. Well, you should have thought of that before you stole my nest last year. This was true enough. Daniel O'Rourke had taken a nest from a tree when he ran out of eggs. The eagle flew back down to earth, and Daniel O'Rourke was left alone with the stars. Shivering with the cold, Daniel O'Rourke considered whether he would have been better off drowning in the bog than freezing on the moon. Although, if you ask me, death by moon is the far superior option. Daniel did not think he was capable of being surprised any more. When suddenly, he felt a tap on his shoulder. He looked around, and a creature stood before him, more beard than man. What are you doing here? asked the man on the moon. Daniel told him how he had fallen into a bog, been saved by an eagle, who had tricked him and stranded him on the moon. This was a strange night indeed. "'Well, you can't stay here,' said the man. "'How can I leave? I'll fall to my death.' "'That's your own business,' said the moon man. "'But you can't stay here.' "'I have to say, I think you're being very unreasonable,' said Daniel. "'Surely you don't get many visitors.' "'I don't want visitors. Now leave, or I'll make you.' "'The more you say that, the more inclined I am to stay,' said Daniel, growing stubborn. The man in the moon then said, "'Well, if you must stay, can you do me a favour and pull that scythe out of the surface, please?' Daniel said, "'Well, since you said please, I will.' Daniel climbed out onto the handle of the reaper's hook and began to pull. The man on the moon then produced a hacksaw and cut the scythe in two, sending Daniel plummeting back to earth. "'Thanks for the visit. Come back again soon,' said the man as Daniel fell to his death. Daniel O'Rourke cursed the moon man as he fell, the wind deafening his ears. "'What next?' What else could possibly happen? Geese geese happened. A flock of geese flew by the falling Daniel, and the gander serving as general said Good to see you, Daniel. Are you in a spot of bother? Certainly I am, cried the man. I've been drowning in a bog on an eagle's back, stranded on the moon, and then sent to me death by a moon man. That's quite a night, Daniel, said the gander. Grab onto my leg there and I'll take you home. Daniel wanted no part in the help of any other birds tonight. But again, he did not really have much choice. He grabbed the gander's webbed foot and joined the flock of geese. The birds flew down and Daniel once again saw his cottage. But the gander did not stop. And Daniel... "'was not even shocked any more. "'Are you going to let me drown?' he asked in vain. "'Certainly not,' said the gander. "'We're on our way to Arabia.' "'Arabia?' cried Daniel. "'Turns out he still could be surprised. "'I can't go to Arabia.' "'Sure you can,' said the gander. "'It's just like cork, but hotter and with more sand.' "I hey, let go,' said Daniel. Go on so, said the gander. We're over the sea now, so if you do, you'll drown. But Daniel didn't care any more. He let go of the gander's leg and plummeted down to the bottom of the salt sea. Sitting on the seabed, Daniel saw a great whale approach. The whale was rubbing the sleep out of his eyes. He swam towards Daniel and Daniel O'Rourke. Accepted his fate. Death by whale would be better than any further bizarre shenanigans. But just before Daniel became whale chum, he felt a splash of water on his face. His wife was standing over him. Daniel! Wake up! Daniel shot up. He was back on land. Surrounded by stones and castle ruins, His wife was angry with him. But he was delighted. You fool, she cried. Don't you know better than to fall asleep in the Pooka's tower? It all made sense at last. The bog, the eagle, the man and the moon, the geese and the whale. Daniel O'Rourke had been haunted by the shape-shifting Pooka warning him to ease off the drink and mind his way home. Daniel O'Rourke didn't quite give up the drink entirely, he wasn't a total madman, but if he drank ten times the amount he had that night, he would never again be drunk enough to fall asleep near the Pooka's Tower. The End So if the security guard never saw Aoife leave the building, how could Mark have committed the crime? And then there's a letter from the confession box. Anyway, sorry for the rambling voice note. But to answer your question, no. If this sounds like you, then Headstuff Podcast's competition, Join the Cast, is offering you the chance to record your own podcast series worth €50,000. Simply pitch your idea at jointhecast.ie. T's and C's apply. And there we have the tale of the Pooka's Tower on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Typically, uh, I don't really like, and I think most people would agree, um, it was all a dream kind of stories. Um, They are essentially deeply unsatisfying often when they're used because then you're like, what was the point of all this? But this wasn't quite, it was all a dream because this was more of a spell or a vision And this was an employment of the Pooka's full powers, which is what I liked about it so much. Um, Because often with the Pooka, he is portrayed in his typical donkey form, or goat form, or horse form, or some kind of mix of man and beast. Uh, But the Pooka can shapeshift into any creature. And it's nice to see a full range of, of uh, transformations. If you imagine that the puka was every one of these creatures and people that Daniel O'Rourke uh, encountered this night. And what what drew me most to this story initially um, was that there was a scene set on the moon. We actually went into space with this story. There aren't many Irish folk tales set in space. Um, so I couldn't really pass up an opportunity and it's very curious as well that this is I'm trying to find the words for it it's almost like uh like a marionette theater story in terms of like it's imagining a primitive theory on the moon where it was just like the moon was just hanging in the night sky rather than being hundreds of thousands of miles away and there is also a curious little addition to the moon in this story in that it very specifically says about uh, a reaper's hook, a scythe being stuck into the moon, the blade dug into the moon. And in the in this version of this story that I adapted it from, uh, which was, as usual, in the WB8's Fairy Folk Tales book, um, which are typically not illustrated except in one beautiful edition that I use a lot now, which has some large illustrations on certain pages. But there certainly are not um, illustrations littered throughout. They're only kind of occasional. But there is in the middle of when it was talking about... Because in this version of the story, one thing I changed was this story is um, narrated by Daniel O'Rourke. And I put more of a third-person narrative on it. Um, or rather someone else telling a story of Daniel O'Rourke. And it's written in a very uh, colloquial, um, sometimes quite difficult to read uh, lingo. But they had a little just tiny illustration where it says like the man drew this shape in the dirt on the ground of a circle signifying the moon and then just this little hook sitting at the side. And I tried looking this up, but this isn't something I could find any other uh, precedent for. So again, like with any of these stories, if this is something you've encountered before or heard of, of a scythe or a reaper's hook being stuck into the moon, please do let me know because it's, it's very, very interesting, the thought of this being a precedent. I mean, the story does even say that you can't see it anymore, uh, and that would have been in the time that this story was had been written between like 1800 and 1860, about that kind of period, or when it would have been collected and written down. Um but for the purposes of this story, it doesn't even serve a an essential function. But I just liked it so much that I kept it in. Uh, where when when Daniel work uh, is brought to the moon, uh, the man on the moon in this story is not you know the face of the moon itself. Um, you know, like that that original old movie with the rocket flying into the face um, by that director. Oh, that's gonna annoy me now. Uh, who's depicted in the Scorsese film *Hugo*? The George George Melies, I think it's how it's pronounced. Uh, A trip to the moon, as name the like one of the old original most iconic images from early cinema. Uh, but in this story, he's an actual man living living there and is not at all happy with the idea of company when the Puka, uh, who in this form of in this story, of course, originally fears appears in an eagle form and doesn't appear in the form of a donkey or a goat or, an, or a horse at all um, but rather first appears in the form of the eagle and as far as Daniel O'Rourke is concerned throughout most of this story the puka is only the eagle or even if he does he probably doesn't even realise that it is the puka at that point um, but the man on the moon is not at all happy with Daniel O'Rourke being there and so asks him to pull out this scythe before sending him to his death we then have this flock of geese who are then flying to Arabia. Um, and I embellished the line a little bit, but there was a line in it as <laughs> that Arabia is just like Ireland, just with more sand. Uh, so I did like that a lot. Um, because when you're talking about, you know, a, a largely rural um, and still um, not particularly Cultured in the ways of the world, uh, period of Irish history. Um, you're wondering what, how much of a knowledge of Arabia there would have been at that time. Would they have been getting, you know, some of the Arabian Nights, or this have been added by more academic later people who were adding and rewriting these stories? And um, but it is always it's always lovely. You see that in in some of the myths as well. It's lovely when you see a sense of the whole world in what are often very specifically rooted in Ireland stories. Um, but, of course, Daniel O'Rourke is still just trying to get home, so he likes to jump in the sea rather than be spirited away to Arabia by this flock of geese, At which point he sinks to the bottom of the sea and meets a whale, and that is, again, a beautiful description in the story of the whale rubbing sleep out of his eyes, and he accepts his fate only to be woken up by his wife uh, to have found, discovered that he is sleeping in a puka's tower. And there are still many of these places around Ireland um, that bear the puka's name within them. I've spoken a couple of times about the place in Wicklow, uh, which is Pula Fuka, which is the puka's cave, and there is a Puka as well, like the puka's rock. um, And there are many... Irish names around with the puka there that you can imagine similar stories to this occurring around people wandering through on dark nights or God forbid falling asleep in them and then having these these drunken possibly hallucinations and visitations from the puka himself who in this case is warning for a more temperate lifestyle as I said last week yeah a lot of these stories um are about living a better life, and certainly in a lot of the Irish tales, that often incurs just maybe drinking a bit less and not just drunkenly wandering home alone. Because, in the similar way, that a lot of children's stories from this time, if you look at the Grim Tales, were mostly about warning children not to wander off into the woods, which you shouldn't do anyway, uh, but were told not to do this because of wolves and witches. Um this is a cautionary tale for adults, you know, don't get out of your mind pissed at a party and then um, wander home alone because you might actually fall off a bridge into a river, which Daniel O'Rourke does in this hallucination. Um, and so, of course, at the end, he is going to be more mindful of where he rests his head. Um, but certainly he couldn't even dream of giving up the gargle entirely. Uh, so it's a very different. This a very different story to um, the last pooka tale, which the pooka appeared in a much more traditional form, um, albeit in a form that he had been transformed into the pooka from last week. If we are to believe the pooka as a species rather than one individual creature, um, because the pooka is a solitary fairy, he is not a trooping fairy similar to he's a solitary figure like the solitary fairy uh, such as the Banshee and the Leprechaun as opposed to the Trooping Fairies who'd be more like the the Red Caps who uh, travel in their groups and are certainly more of a species um, than these individuals who may just be singular or maybe just individual tales of a species uh, but if we are to believe that these are different pukas, um, the one from last week had been in human form, whereas this one doesn't actually appear in the mortal realm. He appears in this spirit realm, in this dream world, in a Freddy Krueger almost kind of way. Um, and I love the the difference in them for for the same kind of creature, the malleability that you have with a shape-shifting figure such as the pukka. But as always, let me know your thoughts on this story um, and if you're enjoying these these tales that we're exploring around the time of Halloween and so on. Uh, because it's, like, there is, it's great to see us uh, gaining more traction in the last few years. There has, for the last few years, been in Ireland around Halloween, a Puka festival, um, which I believe started in Trim or Athboy in County Meath, but now um, has performances in Dublin and I think further afield as well it's nice to see the puka being celebrated every year by Irish people too because when we were growing up I I spoke about this in the ghosts episode in the Grace Connor episode I believe a few weeks ago or even only last week <laughs> there's been a lot of episodes in the last couple of weeks making up for lost time uh, where when I was a kid growing up uh, we were told in Irish class that a puka was a ghost um, and and that was always and Puki were ghosts, but that is actually not correct because a Puka is is a creature, is a spirit, but he's very specifically a shape-shifting spirit. He's not the spectre of a dead soul. Um he's his own thing entirely. Um and it's nice to see with that Puka Festival, the, the logo of the Puka Festival is this this uh donkey's face um, melting into like a human face So it's it's great to see that it's The proper The proper tradition uh, So next time uh, We're going to release another couple of episodes this week uh, So we'll have had uh, eight episodes out in the last two weeks Which is great To really start to be catching back up properly um, We've had our two Buka tales And the next two tales we're going to have Things are going to get dark We're going to have two Banshee tales next It's been great to find uh, some more Banshee stories because it has been some time since we've done, we've encountered the vengeful mourning spirit herself. Uh, So next week we have a story of the Banshee on the Bridge and then of the McCarthy Banshee, two great stories I'm looking forward to sharing with you. So follow me over on Instagram, email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com, follow me on Instagram at firesidebard, Uh, share these on your stories, message me with your thoughts and queries, buy my book, Garden Sea, and Neomath of Home, about to turn two years old from the Headstuff website or on Amazon, Uh, support the podcast at headstuffplus.com. I'll see you all, you'll hear me all next time. Remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside.